This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. We've talked about the educational system, a little bit about law enforcement, a lot about children. But children grow up and they need a health care system that's going to support them in a meaningful way. So I think our next presentation will talk about a project that accomplished some of those goals. So I'd like to introduce the members of the CART team. Joe Cummins here is our program director for the Office of Developmental Primary Care. And Pat Mejia is the Next to her is the program uh, manager and community liaison for the Office of Developmental Primary Care. Um, Next, we have Dr. Zoe Collins, who is a licensed psychologist in in Oakland. And following that is Dr. Eva Ely. And Dr. Ely is um, faculty uh, at UCSF. Uh, She completed her General Psychiatry Residency, Child and Adolescent Psychiatry Fellowship, and Postdoc, all at UCSF. And she's currently the Director of the Community Consultation Program in the Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at UCSF, and the Interim Medical Director of the Division of Infant, Child, and Adolescent Psychiatry at San Francisco General. The final member in the panel is is Dr. Clarissa Kripke. Many of you know Dr. Kripke. Uh, she is a clinical professor and director of the Office of Developmental Primary Care in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at UCSF, and for over a decade has really been devoted to the project of improving our healthcare system in the state of California and, and beyond, if she could, for adults with, uh, and adolescents with um, developmental disabilities. So today, I'm going to talk about some of the lessons learned from our CART team. And some of you may know what CART stands for, but in case you don't, uh, I, we have no disclosures. I'm going to go through sort of an overview of the CART model and then talk specifically about what the CART uh, Mobile Services Project team uh, uh, was all about, and what we what we tried to do, as well as sort of what our mission was, um, and then we're going to hear from members of the team about the caregiver assessment component, as well as some of the clinical themes, and then finally wrapping up with what some of our lessons learned from this project were, um, as well as, as some of the challenges. So the CART model, uh, many of you have seen this before. But really, the CART model uh, is based upon the notion and the value that healthcare for people with developmental disabilities is interdisciplinary, is team-based, and always has patients and caregivers, and I would add community, at the core uh, of this model. And you can see that the, um, the top of the model is really enhanced primary care and care coordination. And we know that our healthcare system right now remains woefully inadequate in terms of providing care for people with developmental disabilities. And a major mission of this project was to help build capacity within the healthcare force, workforce in California uh, to provide 
for a better quality care. Um, the vision here is really to ensure that all people with developmental disabilities have access to healthcare services that are going to maximize not just their health care, but their wellness and their function. The uh, CART services, uh, CART is clinical advocacy research training and technical assistance. I will say that the R is a small R because there's been, the focus has been much more on providing clinical services, uh, advocacy and, and training. The, the yearly health assessment component is actually more of the proactive and preventive uh, part of the CART model which really advocates to have a comprehensive yearly assessment uh, for individuals with developmental disabilities. And then health advocacy uh, is something that I think the CART model does incredibly well um, and is demonstrated with some of the amazing resources um, that you see um, on the website. So what did our services team do and who are we? Uh, we are a multidisciplinary team uh, that provides healthcare consultations, uh, including, um, includes experts in primary care, which is Dr. Kripke and myself, uh, psychiatry, which is Dr. Ely, uh, psychology, which is Dr. Collins, and then our incredible um, team of, of um, community liaison, parent, and, um, and uh, advocates with Pat and Joe. And Oh, I see. I can see it over here. So our focus is actually on adolescents and adults with developmental disabilities, but not only clients, but also the clinicians, family members, and also the, the uh, caregivers and people who support them in the community, which are a really vital uh, part of uh, what we did when we went out to, to provide service. The, this program really came about... Um, it started, I think, the beginning started way back in 2006 with some of the grassroots initiative from the CART model. And I think the, the, serve, the mobile consult team is actually an actualization of some of that really hard work that's happened over the past, the past decade. Um, for the first time, this is really a collaboration among regional centers. So uh, not just one uh, regional center, but there were six regional centers who collaborated on this project. And, uh, and I'll show you in a minute what, uh, where some of the, our swath of services geographically um, uh, served. So what we did was we provided both, and this was a project that occurred over three years and ended uh, in June of 2018, yes? Okay. Um, we did phone and email consultations that came from a variety of sources, from clinicians, from parents, from caregivers, clients, and clients. Uh, we did a, a comprehensive assessment and consultation, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, we did a lot of training, and I'll, I'll tell you more about that, as well as developing um, policy and advocacy uh, statements and materials, and some of which you can see in the, um, the booth out, right outside the, this door here, which has lots of the materials from the website, um, as well as this program actually helped us support this conference for uh, several years as well. So this is a map of where we served and uh, 
Basically, you can see we moved all the way from Del Norte County in the north down to Monterey. Uh, it was amazing to go to these different geographic regions and see the differences in the geography, in the services, in the regional centers, um, and also to see where people lived in these communities and the kinds of supports that they had. Um, I think we learned a lot. And what is different about this kind of a project where you go into the community and you go into people's homes or programs is that you are their guest and that actually you learn so much more by seeing people in the context of the environment with which they work and they live. And I think it added a, a, real, a richness to our ability to make suggestions and uh, recommendations on how to improve quality of care. I do have to also say that and give a little shout out to the TAC team because I've been a member of the Redwood Coast Regional Center TAC team and I know there's a, a number of TAC team folks here in the audience and some of the elements of our comprehensive consult were really built upon some of the uh, components that we've used for years in the TAC team. So good job TAC team. So the comprehensive consults by topic. So this is the pie chart that talks about uh, what kinds of problems we addressed with a comprehensive consult. And by f the largest number was a decline in function, uh, which is a very nonspecific uh, reason and really required a deep dive into, um, uh, into sort of all aspects of the the person's well-being, both medical, psychiatric, environmental, uh, et cetera. That was followed by behavioral issues as, uh, as one of the, as the, as the reason for the consultation. Um, sometimes followed by a medical review of recurring symptoms that did not seem to be um, resolving with traditional treatment or with, with lots of different uh, uh, types of treatment modalities. Placement issues followed that by, and then by diagnosis, meaning don't know what the heck is going on, and then uh, a small percentage of review of uh, the person's recent um, hospitalization. So what is a comprehensive consult? Um, the, client, the comprehensive consult uh, is one that uh, the client is referred by a regional center, usually a service coordinator or other member of the regional center. Um, and typically the person has really complex medical, behavioral, psychiatric issues uh, that puts them at risk for uh, losing their placement in the community or needing to go to um, perhaps a higher level of care. Our consult... Uh, the purpose of the consult was to really try to uh, do a really comprehensive look at all aspects of that person's uh, uh, functioning um, and medical, psychiatric, environmental issues, and to come up with recommendations and suggestions that uh, would hopefully help the person lead a better quality of life. The, um, typically, we would, do, we would start with an extensive medical record review uh, which this was this is not a crisis team, so we had to plan this generally a couple months in advance. Um, we would 
take uh, any number of the whole team or depending on what the needs and the issues identified uh, were, we might take just a smaller number of the team members. But I have to say, every time we went out there without Dr. Ely or Dr. Collins, we were saying, God, I wish they were here. <laughs> Uh, because there were always issues uh, with mental health uh, or with general happiness and behavioral issues. And so uh, we really found that that was just really a key, a key component. You want me to hurry up? Is that what, is that, okay. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm going to hurry up then. So what else do I want to say about that? Nothing. Okay. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about training and then I'm going to pass it on. Okay. I thought I was hurrying. So training. So we did lots of trainings. The trainings actually, I think, were incredibly, uh, incredibly important in terms of helping the local community, the caregivers, the ILS staff, and the clients actually understand what resources were available to them. Uh, we did trainings for uh, in hospitals, in emergency rooms, in ILS, uh, ILS groups. Um, with uh, families uh, and caregivers, and the topics are listed here. I have to say the response was really wonderful to the trainings, and I think um, most of that material that we've used is actually on our website. So I think I'm going to pass it along now because I'm getting the, uh, we've got to hurry up mode. And I'm going to pass this on to Dr. Collins, who's going to go next. Dr. Kripke's going to go next? Well, actually, I thought it was... You're just going to cut to the end? Well, before you cut to the end, though, could you just talk a little bit about the caregiver assessment? No? Okay. But you're welcome to stop at our table, and we'll be happy to fill you in. Really? Okay. Okay. Okay, great. Um, we, we have a lot to say about, uh, this is a fabulous team and uh, we got started a little late so, and we don't want to keep you from lunch, so we are going to um, truncate what we had to say, but, um, but some of the unique features of the program include doing caregiver consults, which were separate from the, uh, the client consults that we did. Uh, we did a lot of work in, in trauma, that trauma, trauma and trauma histories were at the basis of almost every consult that we had. And you speak so articulately on this, I can't stand it. You have to say it. <laughs> okay. I mean, we heard a lot this morning about trauma and some of the things that happened with um, a lot of the children. One of the things that came across in a lot of evaluations we did is that when people got caught up in the day-to-day -day caregiving for individuals with developmental disabilities, um, what lapsed or what got forgotten were some of the experiences they had. And so when we were presented with situations like Johnny will not leave the house or Susan will not eat green food or, um, you know, a person is withdrawn and wouldn't leave their room, what had gotten forgotten was that their caregiver suddenly passed away. Every time someone, every time someone left the house, they were being put in restraints or they were being moved to a different facility. Every time strangers came to the home, that meant that something bad was gonna happen. Every time they interacted with people, the, intera the, the reciprocal interaction was negative. 
And so those things were forgotten, but all they wanted to happen was for us to fix Johnny leaving the house, Susan coming out of her room, or someone else eating green things. Um, and so oftentimes our job was to bring back into perspective the entire experience that that person brought with them so that we can build the empathy and compassion in the care again, so that in the day-to-day caregiving, we didn't forget those things. So instead of put your hands down, um, stop blocking us from leaving the door, it's, it's gonna be okay. We're not going to take you somewhere else. You live here forever. We're just going to your day program. Because sometimes those little changes in tone, attitude, and approach made a huge difference in the day-to-day functioning of the individual that we were there to serve. And, and uh, the, the richness of these comprehensive consults were really to dig deep into their past history, not just what the, the people in their present lives know, but, uh, but to, deep, to dig as deeply as we could to find out what people's stories were. And once you understood that context, it really made a, a huge difference um, in, in their care. Uh, we focused... Um, the team experimented with a variety of ways to create efficiencies with the hope that we could reduce the amount of highly skilled labor, travel, or resources that we needed to do solid assessments and to create comprehensive and practical uh, sets of, of recommendations. But what we found was that there's really no, there, there are no shortcuts, that this is labor-intensive, that it takes expertise, uh, that it takes the whole team, uh, and that it takes going to their environment. We can't do this by telemedicine, and, and we actually served some people that the TAC team had served and who provided services to, but when we went out there, we had a really different perspective and a different set of recommendations than when it was done uh, completely remotely. Um, so taking the time also to write our comprehensive reports was very labor-intensive, but synthesizing that data from multiple s- disciplines and multiple sources was a critical service to get teams on the on the same page and to create a common understanding of what the issues were so that people could work to, together effectively. We often thought that we had a really good idea of what was going on with the client based on talking to their case coordinators and doing that comprehensive review of records, which was often a, a, a pre- quite quite thick stack. But even the reason for the consult was different than... Uh, when we actually got out there, um, even even the chief complaint wasn't wasn't the same. Uh, and if we don't understand the nature of the problem, like you were alluding to, Zoe, then we can end up spending an awful lot of resources, getting very frustrated, and um, and and not providing an effective service for that. So doing that deep dive and finding out what the real issue was, often the solutions weren't that complicated. Sometimes. Sometimes they were. They, they usually were not more expensive than what was already being uh, spent on these clients who were, who were the people who were in, in the most difficult situations. And so we were already spending an enormous amount of resources. A lot of, pe- a lot of people were involved in their care. But ineffective services um, aren't cost-effective ever. Uh, so, for example, we were told that somebody was very highly aggressive, but what we found was that they had a neurological tick, and if you happened to get in the way, it, was, it wasn't a good thing. Um, uh, and, or we were told that they were sick and failing to thrive, and they were getting very expensive medical workups, and when we got out there, we found that uh, there was no food in their cupboard. 
Um, it takes experience and expertise to sort out clients who have complex combinations of developmental, medical, behavioral, psychiatric, and environmental issues, and to tell a coherent story about where they've been and, and to tell a coherent story about what needs to be done to get them where they need to be. And, and there, there really isn't a shortcut for that. Um, and so we were only, we, uh, in order to expand the impact of our work beyond the individuals that we worked with, we did a lot of follow-up work uh, that impacted the entire community and helped to build the workforce, which was really the goal. For example, a recurring theme was that attitudes were, were a major barrier to healthcare access. And we went to the local hospitals, and we talked to the local service providers, and we, we empowered the local service providers uh, to provide information. Um, and we met with Ground Rounds. We met with the local providers to really explain who people with developmental disabilities are, what their potential is, and why, it's their, and, and why they should uh, receive care and services like anybody else. Uh, we did a, um, we did quite a quite a bit of, of training, um, especially around communication, around goals of care conversations, and on successful community living. And that really changed the relationship between these healthcare facilities and healthcare provider groups and the regional centers and and their clients. Um, we also invited local community clinicians to come to our con comprehensive consults and watch us work with, with the patients that they were serving and that they had been struggling through trying to diagnose and trying to serve and, uh, and went to them and talked to them about their uh, challenging situations. Um, medical education doesn't happen. I mean, th this is a fabulous conference, and um, and medical articles are great. But medical education is apprenticeship style. We have to to show people how to do. We can't just talk about it. We have to show it in practice with their patients in the context that they're actually practicing for people to get better at it. And and by going out to these communities and doing these consults, we were able to do that kind of very very hands-on training um, and to model to model what we teach in practice and um, and in terms of systems issues there is a lot of focuses on the services that are being provided in higher level group homes in medically oriented and behaviorally oriented group homes but um, but most of our clients were not in those homes, um, and most people with developmental disabilities don't live in those homes. So if we focus solely on, uh, on the people who are living in those homes, we're really going to um, miss the boat on, uh, on improving health care for the population, which includes 300,000 people, uh, only, only a handful of which live in these higher-level group homes. Um, family, direct support, professionals, service providers, they're frontline healthcare workers. They recognize illness, they, they provide the supports when people are accessing medical care, they implement the healthcare plans, and those people need training, support, and oversight. And when we went into these communities, we were able to provide them with some of that training and support and encouragement and, and recognition for the important 
role that they have and the important job that they're doing that impacts health care. Um, it, it's not just about what doctors do. It's not just what clinicians do. It's not just what nurses do. It's, it's also those, uh, those hands-on uh, uh, support people and, and families that are making a big difference. And we also noticed that um, in terms of system problems, that we've focused so much on these high-level uh, group homes with, that have a lot of medical resources in them, and, and while they're fabulous and necessary and important, uh, the, a recurrent theme was that people who don't live in those homes don't have access to skilled nursing, even when they have skilled nursing needs, and a lot of people are being forced into institutions, into SNFs, um, into out-of-state placements, uh, because they don't have access to skilled nursing um, when they live in supported living, when they live in family homes, when they, when they live in behaviorally-oriented homes. Another theme was access to mental health services that have expertise in developmental disabilities. There, there are some fields where taking care of a person with a developmental disability isn't that different than taking care of everybody else, but, um, but primary care and uh, mental and behavioral health are definitely areas where special expertise is, is needed and there is a lack of access to mental health care in general, but a, a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, lack of people who have actual expertise, and we're just so glad to have uh, Dr. Ely on the team and, um, and doing training and, uh, and uh, providing us with that support because uh, none of the other team members were able to make the kinds of recommendations and to make the kinds of insights that she was able to do. Um, that's tremendously important and we need to reproduce her. Um, and, uh, and, and a final theme is around interagency collaboration. There's, there's an awful lot of different people, whether it's regional centers, local medical medi uh, uh, medical centers and hospitals, uh, local, the, the county mental health systems, um, and, and, and more, and, and the direct service providers, the families, the schools, uh, every, all of those different systems and, and local service providers too, the um, local agencies who are providing services, uh, the parent information training centers, all, all of these people have a role in promoting health and, and we, need, we need to work together and we need to break down the barriers so that we're not just pointing fingers and saying, oh, that's your health plan, oh, that's the regional center, oh, that's county mental health and so that we can not replicate services because a lot of times each of those agencies has a different care coordinator um, and we're doing a lot of duplicate work uh, that we could be doing once and, um, and then we need to break down, make, make real decisions about who's responsible for what um, when we have these complicated situations uh, so, that, so that we can work as, as a team, not just this team, but also that community team. Thanks. We're, I just, yeah, two, I, I, two minutes. I feel that we're so far behind, um, but I'll, I'll just put in a plug for psychiatry. Um, <laughs> as, as the discipline that, um, that focuses on um, trying to understand whether there are neurophysiologic 
um, underpinnings to changes in behavior. And the changes in behavior that we were often asked to consult on were either um, decreases in functionality or um, worsening behavior in terms of agitation or, or what was called disruptive behavior. And if we think about these things as manifestations of uh, what what the physiology of the nervous system is doing, um, then I think that will also provide additional insights that maybe um, the care providers hadn't been considering or, or um, hadn't been included in the care plans. Final words? I just want to give a shout out to our caregiving team here, uh, care, care provider support, assessment, uh, Pat and Joe did a great job. And I think that is something that is oftentimes not, uh, in, uh, not included and uh, actually is a really important part in terms of someone's health. We know the caregiving force is aging um, and we know that we need more good caregivers and, and, so, and they need support to do the kind of job that they have to do. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.